At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, Kareem. Uh, thank you so much for um, talking to me today about uh, Infinity Pool. Uh, Love the movie. Watched it twice now. Um, I will be sending you my therapy bills. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, it's it's great. Um, you know, uh, as always, excellent work. Um Jumping right into um, the pre-production um, part of um, Infinity Pool. So I think I read that um, this was similar to um, what you all did on Possessor, which was um, Brandon would come come to you with a script. Um, you would break down scene by scene and then talk about kind of the visual uh, language. Is that is that right? Yeah, I mean, Infinity Pool took a while um to get to camera a little bit like possessor in fact infinity pool was written uh while possessor was like in a rut uh of getting financed uh possessor took seven years from the first draft to when we actually were able to complete the movie so it, it took a while and within those seven years it was about four of those years where we're going to make the movie, it's financed, we're going, and then it stopped, and then we had to. So there was constant delay. So during that time period, Brandon wrote Infinity Pool based on a lot of his experiences that he had in some of these tourist resorts and, and uh, uh, a lot of the stuff is real, real like set not not all of it but uh but certainly some of the uh at these tourist resorts are actually in the movie like uh, all the cultural appropriation things and all that that's stuff he saw there uh so he didn't invent any of that stuff uh stuff that might shock and offend some people actually was there uh in existence flat out um so based on those experiences we developed ideas and we're simultaneously sort of developing the language for infinity pool while we're doing possessors that's why the movies have some similarities but you know uh infinity pool the idea was to expand on what we had already done uh with possessor so you know we went on a scouting trip we actually scouted croatia and hungary um before we shot possessor 
Um, so along with Brandon and Rob Cotterell, our producer uh, and first AD on uh, both movies, one of the producers, there's many, many, many producers, uh, the main producer on the films, uh, Film Forge and Rob. Uh, you know, we we went to uh, to to visit these locations, so that informed a lot of the visuals and a lot of the visual styles. And then we went and we did Possessor, but we always had the material from these early scouts that we did. And uh, because we had done so much with the practical hallucinations and effects and things like that with Possessor, we we stepped it up for Infinity Pool and came up with other sort of technical ideas to do it. And again, everything in Infinity pool is practical uh all of those hallucinations all of those opticals and things like that are all done practically none of that stuff is done uh with cgi or anything it's all done in front of the camera live wow that's amazing um that's actually what i was going to ask you because that's uh very impressive like it's it's great to hear that it's like you're you're taking the building blocks from the previous film and just building on it and it sounds like you know um you know, hopefully we'll get another team up collab where it'll build up even more from from things from um, Infinity Pool. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think we've uh, come to the limit of uh, of that look <laughs> with uh, with Infinity Pool. So for the new stuff, uh, for Brandon's new stuff, we're talking about doing a, a very different look. Oh, and nice. uh, in very using very different techniques and things like that. So we're already beginning the development uh, on Brandon's uh, upcoming productions and uh, how we're going to try and step up the look of that and and switch it up a bit and use different cameras and different techniques. Because I think, you know, while I'm super happy, of course, with uh, both Possessor and Infinity Pool, not only as films, which I'm very, very proud of them as movies, uh, but I think as just the visuals, I think we've, we've done it. I'm very happy with the visuals on, on both of those films, but I think we've reached the limit of uh, what we can do with that. <laughs> and now we're going to go for a very different look, um, which is exciting for us as filmmakers. You know, I mean, we always, you know, we're friends, so we're always hanging out and talking about ideas and, and ways we can do things in a new manner um to also keep audiences uh you know surprised we don't want every movie just to be the same we want every movie to be quite different so you know and and like for the hallucination sequences and stuff like that instead of using like colored gels we uh we used uh, a different kind of gel film so to speak called dichroic film and what that is is it's kind of looks like a gel but depending on the angle you look at it the color changes so it has like different colors within the spectrum depending on the angle you shine it so the hallucinations again much like in Possessor, we reprojected the hallucinations on a screen in my living room. We do all of these, you know, re-photographing and special effects sequences majoritarily in my living room with Brandon and myself, usually uh, just alone. And uh, and we re-photographed it with what's called a split-fill diopter. So it's sort of like a magnifying glass you would put in front of a lens, but only halfway as you see them in a lot of Brian De Palma movies, for example, where half of the screen is in focus and then the background is in focus, but an object is very close to uh, to the lens and both are maintained in focus. And uh, what we did was we wrapped the dichroic film around that, re-projected the rushes, played with um, the split field diopter. So the magnifying glass portion only partially enters the frame 
and exits so you can actually adjust what's in focus and what's not manually. And then we shone a light onto the loop of dichroic film that is draped over the split field diopter, which gives you different color effects depending on the angle of where the light passes through it. So it was a very, you know, belabored, uh, complex process that we had to do a few times because um, it was a lot of rushes. I mean, that orgy is not short. <laughs> so uh, as, as most orgies, you know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, you're going to orgy, orgy well. Uh, so, you know, it uh, it definitely, you know, there was a lot of rushes that, that we had to go through. And because we did the dichroic film effects before the edit of the sequences, we had to take all the brushes and do the special effects on everything, not knowing whether or not they would be in the movie. It wasn't a question. It was just editing the movie together because the editing of the sequences depended on what the optical effects would be during it. So we had to do all the rushes and it was hours. Of wow. <laughs> That's mind blowing. I, it's, I mean, it, it really, it, it's yeah, that's mind boggling because again, I think it's so seamlessly and well done that you kind of just assume that it was maybe done digitally or, but yeah, that's, that's incredible. And yeah. I think that probably speaks to a lot of like how the practical effects are done. I mean, it's like, I, I feel like it's probably little to no CGI as far as like, like the actual like gore and, and all the, um, I mean, I, I think one of my pet peeves, uh, is like CGI blood. I hate that so mm -hmm. much because it's so lazy. And I th I feel like, you know, when you take the time not only to, um, I mean, you know, clearly you could have, uh, like with the, the psychedelic stuff, clearly that could have all been CGI, but I think it just has a better look it being practical. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree, and there's no CGI blood in the movie or anything like that. All the blood is is done live with uh, Dan Martin and Tracy Loader, our amazing special makeup effects artists, who are longtime friends and collaborators, and absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, they they did a phenomenal job as always on it. I mean, there's a little cleanup things like that that there always is um, with some practical stuff. Um, but you know, like some movies, they have an absolute you know. You know, phone book of names in the end credits of people who work on the uh, CGI and the visual effects in the movie. In this movie, we only had one person, a very talented person named Andy Robinson, um, not uh, the guy from Hellraiser. But, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, he he did a wonderful, absolutely wonderful job on cleanup. Primarily the biggest CGI effect in the entire movie is cleaning the knee pads off of uh, Alexander Skarsgård's double during yeah. the execution scene. Uh, like things like that, you know, erasing shadows, um, fine adjustments of, you know, sometimes in prosthetics, you'll have a, a tube seam line. So not touching the blood or the gore effect, but just smoothing mm -hmm. out a seam line for some of the slit throats um blade extensions things like that uh, those are the only cgi effects none of the actual gore is uh cgi whatsoever it's all as it is um although not to diminish uh andy's work on the movie which i think was great um but it's cleanup it's only cleanup uh another one of the biggest cgi scenes is alexander skarsgård getting out of a bed 
when we shot it because we had to shoot it quite quick there was some shadows like camera shadows and stuff that went on his shirt he erased the shadows like that that kind of stuff um you know james vanderwater our editor who's absolutely brilliant really collaborated very very closely with brandon brandon is a very hands-on editor you can tell it's a brandon cronenberg movie he's very 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 involved with the editing and uh, with James, uh, who's also absolutely brilliant, um, they really work closely on this hallucination scene. So there's a lot of subliminal edits mm. in those things. So when it hits home video, you'll have fun with the pause <laughs> button and the step forward button, uh, you know, because you'll discover all the stuff that's hidden within those sequences. There's an absolute litany of stuff hidden in uh, those sequences. And of course, you know, I have to see them ad nauseum a million times, <laughs> frame by frame. We have to color grade it and also make sure the online edit went well and everything. So I know everything is in there. And I can tell you, there's a lot of fun stuff uh, in there nice. that because of just the way your brain absorbs images, you, you probably won't tell just off the top. There's some stop motion in those scenes, too, that Lee Hardcastle in the UK along with Dan Martin uh, did. So there's actually some stop motion uh, brief inserts uh, that are genuine stop motion uh, within the orgy scenes and some of the hallucination scenes that uh, Lee Hardcastle did with Dan Martin. Lee Hardcastle, of course, who uh, is a very well-known and excellent stop motion animator in, in the UK. Um, so yeah, we uh, we went nuts. Yeah, um, that that's really cool. And you know, if I wasn't already really excited for the home video release, I'm like 10 times more excited now. Um, so, um, you know, you t you touched briefly on the execution scene, which is definitely one of the more sort of visceral, um, disturbing um, moments of the film. Um, I was I'm kind of curious, like with the kid and like it being like pretty graphic, like I could see like. I mean, as as perverse as it sounds, I feel like I would have a field day if I was that actor just getting to like have fun with um, what could definitely be a very grim sort of uh, uh, tone on set. So I was kind of wondering if you could talk about filming that scene and and um, was this kid kind of really into it, like the actor that played the um I can't recall the character's name. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but Miro Miran's son or Myro Myron. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Myro Myron's son. Uh, he was great. He was amazing. Uh, a young actor, a Hungarian actor. He was from the Hungarian side named Kristoff. Uh, Kristoff was wonderful. He was super cool and never shocked or anything. He got into it. And just like the facial expressions he could yeah. pull off and everything were were really phenomenal. I mean, that was a that was a really difficult day because, um, you know, it wasn't a small independent movie. Uh, it was definitely a sizable one, but uh, for various production reasons and the production in Hungary and Croatia uh, was very difficult. Um, certainly our uh, Canadian producers, I think, uh, and our American producers were big heroes dealing with with uh, with with uh, everything that was thrown their way, um, you know, during the production, which is extremely tough. So a lot of a lot of days had to be cut from the schedule and things condensed, which is normally not done in, in Europe. You don't do long days like you do in North America, um, you know, so that was tricky because 
the uh, execution scenes, both executions in the movie had to be done on the same day. Mm. Um, so it was a really long day and, and really technically challenging um, for Dan and Tracy and the special makeup effects team. It was there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of slit throats, a lot of stabbing. And we ended up doing a bunch of inserts later of like the knife stabs and chest inserts. Because when you do big sequences like that, a lot of times you just save some of the inserts for later, knowing that that's when they're going to uh, you'll you'll have the time to really massage them and do them well. But the gross majority of this stuff was still done during that long day. Um, you know, like one of the little kids uh, showed up. Uh, as an extra and their parents were there and we already shot a master shot because you know when you shoot scenes with doubles you you have to shoot one side with the the real person not made up first and then you have um a photo double or a stunt performer filling in with them and when it's dirty over the camera shooting over them and then you have to make them up and put them you know so it, it's complicated to do the dynamic um and it turns out we were shooting the stuff before the blood and anytime you do a big sequence with blood you shoot out the entire everything that you will see where the blood will hit first you do everything pre-blood then you do blood make sure the effect works and then you do everything post-blood because it it affects the set it sort of kind of destroys the set, um, so to speak. So you have to do everything before the blood. You do all the blood, and then you do everything after the blood. Uh, with what was established on the take that you printed, and you said, okay, this is a good take. Um, so we had a little kid that was an extra member of the family, but a really young kid, that we shot that side of it. And then, you know, we're about to do all the blood stuff. And then suddenly, you know, again, this was a pretty frequent thing that would happen uh, during this production. Like we expected something and then suddenly they would throw this with this incredible loop uh, out of nowhere that from the, you know, um, from the Hungarian side um, uh, or whatever. And, uh, and they were told, Oh, this kid can't see blood, but we've already shot the wide shots with this kid in there. So the careful viewer will notice that uh, all of the shots after the executions come in on the side of the bleachers are just a little tighter avoiding this missing kid because of that. So Kristoff was no problem. Kristoff was all like, give me more blood. I'll look terrifying. <laughs> I'm totally down. But this little kid um, suddenly we were told, no, you can't show blood uh to this kid and it's like all right guys well that was just you know that was a very 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 minor incident in the litany of like surprises uh and and sort of subterfuge that happened uh every day on the production but you know we we barreled through it and again it's a great testament to uh to our i think our producers um certainly the canadian producers had to go through a lot and rob cotterell as well really helped us a lot throughout that whole thing nice now i think that's like kind of a good segue to talk about um so there of course is the infamous nc-17 cut and then the r-rated cut which is in uh theaters right now um i was lucky enough to get the um the unrated nc-17 cut which is i mean i so i don't know exactly like what was cut for the r but i have a pretty good idea <laughs> let's mm -hmm. just say um so uh i was wondering if we could talk um a little bit about like some of the maybe like racier scenes like how um 
uh like there's the alexander skarsgar scene like um i'm sure there was like <laughs> trying to like uh think of a nice way to put that uh like was there a stunt double for that scene the the scene on the beach um people that have seen the yeah i mean okay okay so the thing is that the difference between the r cut and the nc17 cut it's actually not that huge mm -hmm. uh they're, they're little like bits and pieces here and there i think the r cut still plays very well um it still is the movie you like you'll still see the movie uh when you go to see the r cut so it's uh in by no means saying like you know don't see the R cut and, and particularly I think on a big screen, it works very well. Um, so, and we supervised both versions of the movie, Brandon approved both versions of the movie. So, um, you know, both are infinity pool. Well, okay. Anybody who even sees the R cut can imagine what is missing. It's the scene on the beach. Uh, <laughs> enough people have spoiled exactly what it is. Uh, you know, like a lot of journalists have talked about it. So it's a close up of a penis ejaculate. Okay. So uh, it's not real. It's a special effect. Okay. It's a it's a, it's a prosthetic. Um, it's actually just a silicone penis uh, that is plumbed with fake semen, and uh, it's just a really good special effect. It's it's not none of it's real yeah. in the movie. It's all special effects. So you know. Um, you see similar things on HBO all the time. Anybody see the deuce? Same thing. Yep. You know, uh, watch the white Lotus, all the fake prosthetic penises and that is the same thing. Yeah, but, you know, like the MPA freaks out uh, about that kind of thing. But then you open up HBO and you see that kind of thing all the time. Uh, At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh, you know, there's special effects. It's not real. It's fake. It's not technical pornography. It's fake. So, you know, that's just the hypocrisy, I think, or the double standard between things you could just go and click on your television, which are as graphic and no problem. Or you go into a cinema where you can actually control who goes into the cinema. You can actually protect the door and things like that. But then you have to cut this stuff out. To me, it makes no sense, but that's just the world we're living in. Um, but your answer is it's special effects. Um, and it's very convincing. Yes, people think it's real, but I mean. It, yeah, it, I was kind of thinking effects. like, yeah, I was like thinking, well, it was probably in effect. And I was like thinking, well, 
I mean, they do that, like, as you said, like a ton of times, like, I guess, like Boogie Nights comes to mind, like yeah. kind of in a famous example. But yeah, that that I mean, that is very strange. Like you're 100 percent like spot on with like, you know, I feel like you see that, like you said, you can see that on TV, sometimes even more graphic. Um, but um, yeah, um, I know I did read that, like, you know, as you were saying, Brandon did supervise the cut. So everything still is very seamless. And I think probably like the, the cut scenes probably amount to what, maybe like a minute. Maybe um, not even. It, it's like a few seconds. But the thing is that they're like to keep the timing the same, we replace shots hmm. from other things in the movie. So just so it doesn't feel like it's an abrupt edit. So there's actually shots in the R-rated version that are not in the NC-17 version. Hmm. So particularly during the orgy and stuff, and we replaced it with some really cool shots. So it's not like you're getting a lesser experience or anything from going to see the R-cut. Um, just to replace certain images in the in the orgy sequence they didn't want we just went in the rushes and found other really cool hallucinogenic things that are are, are just as cool and like you'd be surprised what they let by in the archive mm -hmm. during the orgy scene like a yeah. lot of stuff uh was let by that you never would think would be in an r-rated film and there it is you know i mean it's there maybe because also they might not have understood actually what was going on because it's <laughs> like you know maybe not within their lexicon to actually understand what they were seeing but they're seeing a lot of stuff in there yeah i mean um yeah that's so like that's so interesting like i i think like the one effect that maybe didn't disturb me but definitely like has been living in my head as the nipple sure yeah yes that. um and i believe that's in the r-rated cut right it is in the r-rated cut uh nothing was censored from that in the r-rated cut so um i guess we'll say spoiler alert now for anybody uh because what's hilarious is a lot of people who saw um the nipple didn't really understand what is actually happening uh i think people can interpret it because you know we we reshot everything with these effects so it becomes a little bit dreamy um you know it's actually pooping uh <laughs> if you see it uncut yeah. the nipple is pooping and somebody eats it so that's uh that's literally what is there um you know so you can be proud to know that the mpa let out and let by a boob that poops uh and <laughs> without actually realizing that's what was happening so yes that's happening um and that's all effects again it, obviously human bodies cannot do that uh so uh it's a very very good effect by dan martin and tracy loader and dan's entire team uh in the uk that uh that did that and, and again because it's a part of this really hallucinogenic trip you um you kind of don't know what's happening and you're kind of like interpreting yourself what is going on um the reality of what we shot if you saw it on the set you'd be like oh you know and bring the barf bag but um but it becomes actually kind of beautiful and weird and trippy still disturbing uh with the re-photographing techniques that we did and everything it, it's meant to be dreamy and hallucinogenic and that you you can't really tell what's going on but yeah that's that uh spoiler alert is actually what we shot 
Now, um, is it fair to say that like with all the effort that kind of went into like particularly like the psychedelic stuff mm -hmm. um, and how that was very like painstaking, would you say that like, like to date, this is the most maybe um, technical sort of shoot that you've worked on? Um, no, I think I think there's been a lot like most of my movies are super technical because they're all very they're genre movies that have special effects and things like that no i wouldn't say this is the most technical movie i've worked on um par for the course i mean there were a lot of effects and things like that but most of my movies have that so it was just sort of a part of the usual thing that the difference is is that on some of the other pictures i've done there's a lot of cgi and CGI is the answer to things and, and everything is designed around CGI, um, which usually those are the larger studio pictures I do, which, you know, that's just a part of the language that they're comfortable with. So, OK, cool. Sure, I can do it. But um, but this is more a part of the artisanal practical um, side of, um, of filmmaking, which I also enjoy as much. I think both are good, you know, none can't say one is better than the other they're just different so some movies are more about cgi and that's great and other movies are more about practical effects and that's great too uh you just have to plan things in a certain way knowing that one thing will take a certain amount of time and another thing will take another amount of time and plan all the technical things to go around it no problem so yeah i mean it was technical it was certainly a difficult movie to do but again that those difficulties didn't necessarily come from the content or when the cameras i mean the actors were amazing uh the actors were just absolutely phenomenal it was it was a tough shoot for um more just like a lot of practical production orientated reasons um you know when we showed up there and and sort of a lot of the co-production stuff i think maybe it was a pretty big movie for croatia and they 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 weren't used to doing movies sort of necessarily of that size with the crew we had um you know in hungary vice versa hungary was extremely busy so um you know, we, we a lot of resources that were promised weren't given and things like that. But that said, we had some amazing Hungarian crew members that were absolutely phenomenal, really phenomenal. Um, particularly my uh, I have to say a big hats off to uh, my B camera operator and my second unit uh, director of photography, Agnes Pakosti. She was phenomenal and a really wonderful and brilliant DP in her own right. And that was a really pleasure for the camera team. The Hungarian camera team was wonderful. And, you know, the grips and everything, you know, it was, it was a lot of good people. And, uh, you know, also the, uh, you know, I had a very, very good uh, Croatian gaffer as well, who I liked very much. So there was a lot of good people. It was just, it was, it was just very busy in Hungary. Um, so the Marvel show, will get all the big gear, you know, like I was promised a stabilized remote head to do all those spinning shots on the techno crane. It was a movie bird crane, actually, that we did all those spinning crane shots in the opening and, uh, you know, promised for weeks, you're going to get it, you're going to get it. And then suddenly Moon Knight wants to keep it. And then it's like, fuck you, little movie, you know, Moonlight will get Moon Knight, whatever, we'll get it. And that was just the kind of stuff we were facing all the time. It was sort of like promise, promise, then fuck you, you know. 
So that wasn't amazing, but, uh, but you know, whatever, that's, that's just the regular difficulties of production one encounters, you know, you, you overcome them and you go with as best a, you know, attitude with solutions that you can, and then, you know, you make it work. It's what filmmaking is. Oh yeah. I, I feel like, uh, I know I've had filmmaker friends that are like, it's just, you know, it described to me, like it's a series of fires you just need to put out and, <laughs> you have to pivot. And if you can't pivot, then you shouldn't be making movies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's uh, constantly, and particularly on this one, you had to be pretty uh, nimble to deal with uh, all these curveballs thrown, but we did. And uh, I think everybody's proud of the movie. And I think the Hungarian crew, I hope is proud of the movie. Uh, I think everybody worked really hard on the movie. Uh, and um, certainly, you know, again, I had some amazing Hungarian crew members who really worked hard in Croatian as well. So, uh, you know, everybody put their heart and soul into it. And we all came out on the other side. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, it's a great movie. I love how and I know this was noted in some of the reviews, which is like, you know, this definitely is sort of like White Lotus goes to hell. Uh, and I, I love how, you know, and you know, to like the, the visual side of it, how, you know, when they're on the resort, I mean, it's just like this, like desaturated, just mm -hmm. unpleasant. It just looks very for, for something that should be like sunny and colorful. It, it just has this cold detached feeling, which I think fits so well with this uh, movie. Cool. I mean, yeah, that, that we wanted to go in the opposite of the expectations. I personally am not a huge fan of tourism. I uh, I do not like these resorts. Uh, we stayed on that actual resort that we were shooting in in, uh, in Croatia, a town called Šibenik. Uh, it's called Amadria Park. If you want to go visit the Infinity Pool Resort, uh, you can. <laughs> and uh, Amadria Park in Šibenik, Croatia. Um you know, it, we were there, we were a part of it. And a lot of like the surrealism we encountered is very much reflected in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the entire crew stayed on it. So it was a really like kind of a surreal environment um, just shooting there. But I mean, the original, like we we had a thought a ways back, even with Brandon, of we should shoot this movie in black and white, which was, um, of course, that wouldn't have passed with the financiers and everything. But so we came up with a sort of play on color that that i hope works in the movie and, and there's a lot of color in the movie still but it just shows up in very strategic points but the overall image is yes uh, very soft contrast more desaturated some people think we shot it on film even though uh we didn't you just we we shot it using the aerial x mini just with certain techniques uh certain compression file techniques and certain types of lenses and in a specific color grade look that uh, makes it feel very organic and very filmic. But, um, you know, I, I think you don't need to shoot on film these days. I know maybe some people would call that heresy, but I think, you know, with, with how good it, particularly the airy cameras have gotten and with certain lens combos, you can make it feel pretty much all the same way to an audience um, and visually very, very close. I mean, we fooled some cinematographers thinking that we shot an affinity pool on film. So, yeah, that's I mean, that's funny because I was actually going to ask if it was shot on film because it does, as you say, have that kind of wonderful sort of film like um, like texture and quality, um, which I think is great because, you know, um, I completely understand that, you know, shooting on film probably presents a lot of its own sort of challenges now. Um, 
And it's probably more expensive uh, to shoot on film than digital. I mean, it it is. I, my, my feeling is just like I think a lot of young people are very excited to shoot on film because it's like exotic. It's cool. You know, um, I, I'm older, so I come from the generation where you had bad days at the lab where you had to deal with instability problems that pop up out of nowhere and have to reshoot stuff you know like you could swear it was in focus when you shot it but then you get the rushes and it's out of you know hairs in the gate flashing power failures at the lab which i've encountered um so you lose a bunch of your footage it's you know this is not worth it when ultimately it's going to be projected digitally for me that's my opinion uh you know sure if absolutely someone's like you must shoot on film to do this movie and i think the movie's worth it okay sure i can fucking you know i've done it for decades so why not but uh but i think actually the film stocks these days are just not as exciting to me um like maybe shooting on reversal film maybe uh but you know like most of the kodak stocks which is the only motion picture stock you can get now they're all based for electronic post-production. They're not based for photochemical printing. So, hey, if we were still shooting on film and making photochemical prints, and if it was financially viable to make those photochemical prints play in cinemas around the world, great. I would still I would do it. But uh, everything's being projected digitally anyways. It's only going to end up there. So other than in a few very special rep cinemas, but it's not worth... Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not insecure. Like, I don't need that, like, sort of insecurity of we shot it on film. Like, so many movies these days come out and the film format it's shot in is a part of its publicity materials. So like, I don't give a shit. What's your script? <laughs> you know, like, how are the actors? How's your visual storytelling? Other than the fact of you shot on a negative. That doesn't mean shit because you could just go into a color grading suite, knock back the contrast, add some green, put halation on your highlights. It'll be the same fucking thing. <laughs> so, you know, you better have something more powerful to push the promotion of your film other than, but it was shot on film. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, it, that doesn't, that doesn't make your movie good. What's your script, you know? So, I think with the technology today, you can get that vibe going across. And, you know, some people will be like, heresy, I shot my movie in 16 millimeter and I'm an adult now. It's like, no, <laughs> you know, all you've done is made a blurry movie that doesn't, you know, like that like doesn't fit the compression uh, of the streaming service that paid for your movie. So all I'm seeing now, if my Internet isn't the fastest in the world, a bunch of squares where you're trying to put film grains. So it's like, I, I just find that a very um, sort of gimmicky thing these days to say we shot it on film. Uh, I think you could just make just as good a movie on digital if you know what you're doing and it'll look the same or very similar. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, as you were saying, and, you know, this is something that it, is from like a, a um, writer side and a critic side. I'm like, you don't need a million plus budget. Just have a great script. Mm -hmm. That's the foundation. I mean, it's like, you know, any of these sort of gimmicks, as you were saying, like, it doesn't mean anything if your movie's crap to begin with, um, to be frank. Um, but um, yeah, so um, 
I'm probably going to wrap up here soon, but uh, I know it's very early days, um, but um, I guess you can confirm that you are working on another project with um, Brandon. Oh, we have a few things in development. Yeah. And uh, we're doing stuff and I, I have some other films coming up too that I'm working on. Of course, the irony is even though we're not shooting on film, we still, we still call them films. So, you know, <laughs> Maybe just old habits die hard and maybe, you know, shooting on film is amazing and is the future. But, uh, you know, uh, I think digital is perfectly fine. And again, if they were just playing them on film, sure. But they ain't. So uh, I'm a realist. And uh, yeah, no, we're working on new stuff with Brandon, working on uh, other stuff that is shot on the Alexa 35, which I think is the camera that that closely most resembles film. If you use certain settings on it, I think it's a very, very impressive new piece of technology that that Ari has put out. So hopefully I'll begin a new one soon using that camera, uh, you know, and uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much um, again for talking about the movie. I love how like technical you get because it's I mean, I can appreciate it, but um, like I'm not like a technician. So it kind of sure. goes over my head. But I, I have to imagine that there's somebody watching this that's like taking down notes, you know, yeah, you know, taking that, that old asshole. We should all shoot on film. <laughs> You know, and, and great. If that's what you need, then cool. Again, that's just one person's opinion. And I think, uh, you know, a cinematographer should use whatever medium they feel uh, expresses the best for their film. So, you know, I say that is my general opinion. But if I had the right movie, they're like, we have to shoot on film. Like, OK, cool. you know, <laughs> but uh, but, uh, you know, I think better start with a good script first. That's the main, that's, you know, the best visual technique you can use on any movie is a good script. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. If you don't have a good foundation, then you're not gonna, I mean, it doesn't matter what you shoot it on. So, yeah. um, so, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, infinity pool is in theaters right now. Um, go see it, support it. Uh, it's a great movie. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I definitely also look forward to the home video, which um, I guess we'll definitely have both versions of it, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I All I know is eventually the uh, the unrated version will come out, but the actual roll through I'm I'm not aware of. But uh, yeah. I do know eventually it will come out. And like and and like you were saying earlier, like the the R-rated cut still is the movie. It's still uh fucking amazing. You still get a lot of uh, gross, trippy, awesome stuff. So um definitely don't let that dissuade you from going out and seeing it because it's it's awesome. And and yeah, I'm pretty confident that like we will get probably a a addition with both versions of it. Um so um again thanks so much uh thank you so much for like talking to me and um i uh hope we can talk again sometime soon right on excellent thanks everyone at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. 
To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.